Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in, welcome in the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzine Vesugian alongside Zach Steginga. Hope you guys are recovering from Sunday night. Hope your week is going well. Hopefully we're easing into the transition here as we'll touch a little bit on that uh, Colts game as there are some uh, some storylines, multiple storylines coming out of that game as the Chiefs get ready for their week six match against the Houston Texans and Boy, I'll tell you what, it is going to be a very, very quick turnaround because after that, the Chiefs do play the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football, so we're obviously previewing Sunday's game, and right after that, got to get ready for a Broncos game. Uh, I'll get into the podcast scheduling in a moment because obviously it's going to be much different next week. Uh, real quickly, social media, facebook.com slash Vasugian. Give it a like, follow me on Facebook, You can follow me on Twitter at farzi 21 Zach at Z Steginga. You guys can text in to the podcast at 913-808-2119. We'll read a couple of your texts later on in the podcast. So be sure you guys get your texts in for the next episode, which will be the Texans recap. Save your texts after, for after the game. I know some people sent theirs during the game. That's fine. Uh, but if you want to give your full thoughts in case something crazy happens in the final moments of a game, save your text for after the game for our recap episodes subscribe to the podcast share the links and spread the word for the chief zone podcast as i mentioned zach is here with me on this episode of the chief zone podcast zach all the way in new york i've got to ask you from from your vantage point all the way in the east coast does it look like uh the sky is falling in kansas city can you see any wildfires from 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 where you are right now in new york in the kansas city area Nah, though, to be fair, it's pretty hard to see past all the buildings, man. Like, we're pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess New York-centric over here. So, uh, no, nah, I don't think this guy's falling, but I was certainly uh, certainly upset, as you could tell, based on the you know, sheer volume of texts that I sent you during the game. Yes. Uh, yeah, what was not happy. No, no, no one was. I mean, 13 points, that is a uh, low with Patrick Mahomes. And I know you weren't on uh, Sunday's recap, uh, but... I'll, I'll, Which realistically was probably for the best. Yeah, I had to use your little <laughs> boop button a lot. Uh, no, we'll we'll get some of your thoughts uh throughout the show. Um, but let me just start here because it is Thursday, and you know a couple of days ha- have passed by, and a lot of a lot of anger. All right, let me just say something. It's one loss, folks. You're four and one right now. And you've got one of the harder schedules in the NFL. The sky is apparently falling in Kansas City. Andy Reid is now on the hot seat and Brett Veach suddenly sucks. Just everybody relax. Let's not lose our cool for one freaking game. Listen, uh, you guys know Zach and I. I mean, I've been doing the podcast for a long time. I know this is Zach's first season, but anyone who's listened to me since I've done this podcast, or even for just a year. You guys know I will not sugarcoat things, nor does Zach. But, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to be straight up here. Andy Reid has never been able to win a Super Bowl, and there's a reason for that. But at the same time, he's got 199 career wins. Top 10 all-time in NFL history. Andy Reid, let's not forget here, because I think we do have a bit of a short-term memory. And by the way, let me be clear when I say this. If the Chiefs were suddenly playing horribly, sure, the past doesn't matter, but the Chiefs have managed to keep the same level of success up. Andy Reid took a 2-14 football team 
in 2013 and started 9-0 with them. And yes, easy schedule facing some bad teams and backup quarterbacks, but I will forever... I know people are quick to criticize the Chiefs on that, but I will forever defend the Chiefs on that because if you recall... And I don't know how many people do, but some of the teams the Chiefs defeated in 2013, they got blown out by some of those teams in 2012, such as the Raiders twice, the Browns, the Bills, and then the Chiefs beat those teams after getting blown up by them the year before. Andy Reid changed that. In a season where the team started 1-5 and and lost their best player in Jamal Charles in 2015, and every single person was paying attention to the Kansas City Royals, nobody was even expecting that turnaround. Well, guess what? Andy Reid turned that season around a franchise record 10 straight wins. Andy Reid snapped that postseason drought the same year Kansas City started 1-5. and five. Again, I don't care if that was a bad Texans team winning a weak AFC South. You can only play who you play. That was a road playoff win, and they shut out the Texans on the road. Andy Reid also snapped the home postseason drought just nine months ago against the Colts. Yes, there have been some massive disappointments and some major heartbreaks under Andy Reid, such as the Colts' playoff game, uh, the Steelers' playoff game, the Titans' playoff game, and that led to us wondering what could have been with those Chiefs teams. You know, Could we have seen a Super Bowl in any of those years with those Chiefs teams? As for Brett Veach, look, he's been the GM for two years and three months, and a majority of his time as the general manager... He's been spending a lot of that time trying to fix a lot of the John Dorsey issues with the cap structures and mishandles and all that. We've we've seen we've seen him try to fix a lot of that, and now we're starting to see him be able to do more of what he wants. And there have been some notable transactions this week that we definitely need to touch on. But for now, he's getting criticized for the Anthony Hitchens deal, the Sammy Watkins deal, which shocks me because at the time. I remember day one of free agency in 2018, everybody was stoked. Well, not everybody, but I'd say 80% of Chiefs fans were stoked. Um, he made those right moves that needed to be made to help the Chiefs. I know Watkins has been hurt, but when he's been healthy, he's very vital for the Chiefs. Uh, he led the Chiefs in receiving yards in the playoffs last year. He had a monster week one without Tyreek Hill. He's been a contributor until this past week all year long. Hitchens, I know he's been bad, uh... So has the entire defense. They started off good, I thought, but they have really slipped lately. And we'll touch on that a little later. But listen, we weren't saying that about those players when we signed them. Veach already got to work this week making a couple of changes at offensive line and at defensive line. Again, we'll discuss it later. But bottom line, Zach, everybody needs to chill out. It's one loss. The Patriots lost two in a row late last year. The Chiefs lost two in a row late last year. And people were saying the Chiefs are not worthy of a one seed at the time. And I'm like, so who is? Because the Patriots just lost two in a row. I I get we're prisoners of the moment. I'm guilty of it, and I've learned from that over time. And, you know, I know we have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and and, and we were, were what, an offsides call away from a Super Bowl. So I guess we just come to expect perfection forever. And, look, that's just not realistic. You lose like that and on Sunday Night Football, yeah, I get it. You're pissed for seven full days. But let's stop acting like this is a 1-4 team when they are 4-1. That said, I think that, yeah, one of the things that, you know, made this just sting particularly, you know, I guess worse than 
worse than your average loss was just the way that this one went down. For sure. Um, specifically, the way that just really both lines just got absolutely torched. I mean, Quentin Nelson and the uh, offensive line just absolutely abused Derek Naughty. They made him look like, you know, I mean, honestly, I was kind of having flashbacks, not in a positive manner, to when I was in uh, high school as, you know, the... Uh, brand new sophomore JV lineman who was getting tossed around by, you know, the senior D1 recruit who was, you know, like 250 pounds, 6'4", massive kind of guy, as I was at the time, you know, 6'2", like, you know, maybe 200 tops, uh, just getting tossed around out there. And that's how Derek Naughty looked going up against Quentin Nelson. Uh, And I think it was just, you know, the nature of just getting abused on both lines, really. Like, it's just a demoralizing way to lose. Um, and I think that's where a lot of Chiefs fans and myself, uh, certainly included in that mix, uh, were particularly upset. I think it's just, you know, football's a weird sport, man. It, it really is. I mean, look, if you watch the NBA, college basketball, hockey, baseball, uh, what other sport am I forgetting? I mean, you watch any of those sports... You lose a game, you have another game two or three days later. Now, sometimes there are teams that may go five or six days uh, straight without a game. And that's very rare, though, in those sports. But, you are I mean, you don't have seven days to whine about a loss. I, I mean, in this case, you start off 4-0, you play all undefeated teams, and you think you're invincible, even with that poor of a performance against the Detroit Lions... Everyone's thinking, okay, what can stop this football team? Well, we saw it on Sunday, uh, and and I'll get into that again as well. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden you lose to a team that was 2-2, not undefeated, and the world is coming to an end, it feels like. Again, reminder, we're not 1-4, we're 4-1. I just want to push that mindset to Chiefs fans. I don't like to tell people how they should and shouldn't feel, but let's at least not act like this is I, I, some fans are acting like we're winless right now yeah and anybody who's thinking that Andy Reid is the problem here I, I just can't agree with that because ultimately like you know, there were people absolutely clapping on Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola after this game uh, and realistically like there, there's no excuse for linemen not blocking or getting just absolutely tossed around like I mean with Naughty getting beat the way he did uh, one of the things they teach you if as a defensive lineman is to just hit the deck and at least make a mess of things. Just don't get blown back five yards out of your gap the way that Naughty was. Uh, and then you watch you know, Ryan Hunter get absolutely abused, and then, unfortunately, Mahomes taking the hit as a result. Same goes for Cam Irving. Like, you, know, you can't scheme around poor execution. You just can't. Uh, and so, it, I mean, on that, like, you know, I think that really it's on those you know coaches as opposed to or not? Or sorry, it's on the players as opposed to the coaches on that front. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Here's an example of this overreaction. Uh, Justin Houston versus Frank Clark. And I saw Rich Eisen talk about how Justin Houston got his perfect revenge game, whereas Khalil Mack on the same day was unable to do that uh, in London against the, uh, against the Oakland Raiders uh, in that Bears-Raiders matchup. Uh, look, by the way, to I don't mean to, you know, make things worse than it already is because we know people are freaking out. Justin Houston won AFC Defensive Player of the Week. I've got to... And he deserved it. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I will say, I mean, I I thought it was a little bit of a surprise. He didn't have eye-glowing stats, but he had a sack and he had a major fourth down tackle for a loss. 
Uh, and I don't know. I'm guessing the NFL maybe considered the storyline of him returning. No, we, we talked about this last week. Zach. Nobody was talking about Justin Houston coming back. It was almost a non-factor, but we brought it up on the podcast. Uh, look, for comparison, 15 tackles, Frank Clark 11 tackles. Clark has one sack, Houston has two. Clark also has a pick, Houston has a fumble recovery, uh, and we all know about that massive fourth down stop he had. Look, Fans are very, very quick to compare and want to complete the comparison once a player played his former team. Um, For example, I've heard a few Raiders fans bragging about how, you know, we just beat Khalil Mack in our first time playing against him. And, you know, it's like they feel like they won the trade. It's like, okay, all right, let's, let's slow down there a little bit. Uh, remember when Alex Smith returned to San Francisco? That was a big storyline in 2014. And when he had a chance to lead the Chiefs to a game-winning drive, what happened? He threw a very rare interception, and everybody talked about this. The narrative was Alex Smith proved why the 49ers moved on from him. A lot of times in these transactions, when you trade or release a player... Uh, like Marcus Peters last year was a great example. Uh, it was not, it didn't seal the game, but it certainly helped late in the game. When Marcus Peters picked off Patrick Mahomes when he was facing pressure, uh, every, everyone said, well, the, the Rams won that trade. Uh, a lot of people are saying that, that right now the Colts won the Justin Houston thing and the Chiefs uh, swung and missed terribly because Frank Clark's not doing well. And by the way, I know we've talked about him being double teamed, but some of the people on social media that do film reviews they've shown frank clark not doing really well in one-on-one battles um you know i'm not going to sit here and say bust five games in but i will certainly entertain the idea that this is starting to look like a like a wrong move here uh you're you're paying frank clark a lot of money and i get justin houston was hurt a lot uh but i I, i'll at least say look um it's uh, it's starting to look like a bad move, but I'm not going to write him off five games in just yet. Yeah, I think that you know he's certainly capable of rebounding. He showed it in Seattle. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to write him off yet, but I certainly do understand the frustrations, and you know, the leash is getting shorter, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And again, I, I get the... As fans, and it's, you know, human nature here you know alex smith and the 49ers thing khalil mack and the raiders deal um you you know some fans don't even want to seal it until there's like their side won or is doing more uh they're basically succeeding more than the other team but which i think is silly but um nonetheless it's like at kansas when you know I mean, every. I mean, there were two kind of schools of thought. There were the Kansas fans who still haven't forgiven Roy Williams, and then there were people like me who forgave him <laughs> back in 2008 when we torched him in the Final Four. Uh, and then he showed up you know, a couple nights later wearing a Kansas sticker on his sweater, and you know, all was forgiven after that. I think it's you know, very similar here in that you know when people move on, you know, you it's you know. It's one of those things that, you know, Houston said it actually fairly well, uh, where it's like, you know, you want to kind of show off the new girlfriend, yeah. you know, in front of the ex. Uh, it is very much that sort of mentality here. and like, Making out, make out with her in front of the ex, round. all that good stuff, wooing her, all that good stuff. I think that's what he said, yeah. <laughs> um, no, you are right. He did say that. Let me just say this. Look, you want to find a general manager that is 100% on all of his draft picks and transactions? No. Many times, uh, as Chiefs fans, we have complained about players that we have passed up on over the years. There are 10 teams uh, that 
that skipped on Patrick Mahomes, including the Buffalo Bills, who traded their pick to Kansas City. So, look, uh, sometimes you swing and other teams uh, are going to say, wow, we had an opportunity to make a move before the Chiefs did, and sometimes it's going to be the other way around. So, uh, sometimes you miss, sometimes you don't. I still think it's too early to say who won the Houston and Clark comparison or which of the two are going to have a better season. Right now it's Houston for sure, um, but let's just relax a bit on that end. Because uh, I think Brett I Veach... Think the... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, I think that the real uh, you know, kind of you know, ex-girlfriend sort of situation here is the uh, that no one is talking about is the Chris Ballard situation, uh, if you look at this. And really, like... You know, we've got Chris Ballard versus Brett Veach, both of whom were in the Chiefs front office under Dorsey. I think that's the uh, you know missed opportunity that Chiefs fans have more of a right to be upset about. You know what bothers me? I've said this before, and I I, I promise I won't go on too long of, of a tangent on this because we do need to move on and talk about other things. But Zach, do you know how many times I have received tweets from people saying, "Man, we should have fired Andy Reid for Doug Peterson." It's like, okay. First of all, you started 1-5, and five, turned the season around, and won a playoff game. There's no logical reason to fire someone there. And Doug Peterson got interest from other teams because of the turnaround. You don't fire a head coach for that. Second of all, you weren't even saying that until uh, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. And third of all, you, me, and everyone else doubted Doug Peterson because he had who? Nick Foles as his quarterback. So... It's just, you know, unless you're Miss Cleo and you can see the future, okay, perhaps, yeah, then you make that move if you know how things are going to pan out. But, uh, you know, again, prisoners of the moment, one loss can really put a dent on some people's confidence with a, with a fan base, even if you're 4-1. and one. It's, it's crazy, but that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, look, I do want to... It could be worse. We could be the Redskins. Yeah, that, that, that is very true, for sure. Um, they're not having a good season, not in the least bit. Uh, they had they had a seven nothing lead over the Patriots. That was fun while it lasted, though. Um, yeah, that's like KU having a seven nothing lead over Oklahoma. Yeah, that that, that did happen last. too. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I know you and I went back and forth, and we disagreed on the whole Jalen Ramsey thing. Look, I'll say it right now: screw Jalen Ramsey, screw Patrick Peterson, screw any cornerback out there. Okay. Get offensive linemen uh, from the future from here on out. When you want to attack free agency and attack the draft, go after offensive linemen. I don't need a good defense. I can live with a bad defense because you know why? As I've said many times, we almost made it to a Super Bowl with Bob Sutton, okay? At this point, I just want the Chiefs to find ways to protect Patrick Mahomes at all costs. I really do because Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day can win with any pass catcher. I'll get into that shortly, but let me just say this. People, by the way, are tweeting me saying, well, the defense only allowed, what was it, 19 points? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's a very misleading thing. Um, Listen, the Colts wanted to score 19 points. They didn't want to put up 30 or 40 points. They knew that's not how you beat Kansas City. By the way, they had players wide open down the field for Brissett to throw to. They didn't pull the trigger on that they don't they didn't, they didn't want to do it they wanted to eat up clock so what they do they use marlon mack who's fifth in the nfl in rushing yards and against casey's terrible rush defense they used him to win time of possession by a wide 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 margin 
I want to emphasize this. I brought it up last episode, but I'll bring it up again. Kansas City didn't even have the football for more than half of a quarter in the second half. And in doing so, Patrick Mahomes stayed on the sideline for what felt like forever, and Kansas City only managed to score 13 points. Again, the Colts had chances to strike on quick touchdown drives, but they didn't do that. Because in doing so, what happens, Zach? You allow Patrick Mahomes to come back to the field And he's also capable of a quick drive. And, you know, Indy really got lucky in this because, let me just read some of the numbers here. If you look at the, if you go to ESPN, and if you look at the chart drive by drive, Indianapolis had an, uh, by the way, this is just the second half I'm discussing here. Indianapolis had an 11 play drive that lasted for 6 minutes and 10 seconds. They didn't score, they were forced to punt. Not a bad thing if you're Indy, knowing what we know now. What happened next? Kansas City went 3 and out in 1 minute and 8 seconds. Indy got the ball back. They marched on a 14-play drive, taking 8 minutes and 34 seconds off the clock. During that 28-play span on three different drives, two of those drives belonged to Indy for a combined 25 plays. So during that 28-play span, Zach, only three of them belonged to the Chiefs. Do you follow me there? Yeah, and if you look at the time, it's almost a full quarter. 14 minutes and 44 seconds. The Chiefs had four drives in the second half, three of them on five plays or fewer. One of them, uh, the last one uh, with a field goal, was seven plays. Uh, The Colts had seven or more plays in four of their five drives in the second half. Oh, and speaking of the fifth drive where they didn't have seven plays, they had two quarterback kneels. So that last drive was just them wrapping up the game. So look, uh, that that uh, the the Colts got lucky because when they were able to take six minutes off the clock, Kansas City had a three and out, and so Indy quickly got the ball back and they managed to take off eight more minutes off the clock, and that led to really just Indianapolis wearing out that Chiefs team mentally for the offense and physically for the defense. To be fair, I, I, I mean you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it complete luck. Because their their defense did a very solid job of putting pressure on Mahomes, taking advantage of the fact that our offensive line was a little bit dinged up, and then got even more so uh, as the game went on. But uh, yeah, I, I had have to hand the some credit to that indie defense as well. Because oh, I agree. Yeah, they certainly did. They, they earned that three and out, so to speak. But uh, you know, really, the Chiefs' defense, you know. Just especially the rush defense really just didn't show up at all. And I understand the way that we're built. We, you know, we are built primarily to stop the pass because if you look at it, that's what people are in general going to have to do against us when we're able to score quickly. But we weren't able to score super quickly in this game. And as such, uh, you know, India was playing with a lead for most of the game and was able to, you know, just run Marlon Mack down our throats and uh, control the clock. So, yeah, it was kind of a. It was definitely a team effort in terms of you know the failure there, but I think that realistically, it, you know, I'm going to place a lot of blame at the uh, you know f- you know the feet of the def- defensive line as well as some of the linebackers because run defense is really not that hard. Like it's a lot more want to than anything else. Uh, you know, you put yourself in decent position and you just you know it's toughness and effort on that front, uh, and you know. It seemed like that was lacking by the end, and I get it. You know, after basically spending a full quarter on the field, you know, by the end of it they were gassed. But still, 
they got straight up abused along the defensive front. So really need to see some improvement there. Yeah, I mean, it was what? a Almost a 16-minute span and... 14 minutes and 44 seconds of that belong to the Colts, which is just insane. Listen, bottom line, I know what you were just talking about with the defense. Is there room to improve? Yeah, tons of room to improve. But will they improve? No. I, I It's just not going to happen. And you know what? At this point, I'm fine with it. Because, like I just said, we almost went to a Super Bowl with Bob freaking Sutton, okay? But you know what you can do? And as crazy it sounds, because this offense has been great, I mean, this week was the first, truly, the first bad game by the offense. <clears throat> Excuse me, under Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes still had 300 yards. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, but here's the thing. I, you, can, you can bolster this offense. Find ways to do that, okay? Just, just get offensive linemen that will protect Mahomes and not step on his ankle uh, when going backwards, because that is a killer. When you've got a superstar quarterback like him, don't, I mean, it, if, if he gets injured by a defensive player, that sucks. If he gets injured by his own guy, that's even worse, man. I, I can't even live with that. Because then you don't know if that could be something that impacts him forever in his career and, you know, all this hype and all this excitement for nothing. I, I, I just don't want to be in that Andrew Luck situation where we say, what if... Uh, get offensive linemen and protect this guy as much as you can. Again, I can live with a crappy defense. Just go out there, get offensive linemen, and at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes can win with any pass catcher, and here's evidence of it. Sammy Watkins had 198 yards in Week 1. Demarcus Robinson, 172 yards in Week 2. By the way, they both led those respective weeks in receiving yard. Kelsey had 107 yards also in Week 2. So you had three 100-yard receivers in the first two weeks. Uh, McCole Hardman, he could have had 100 yards in Week 2 also if McCoy doesn't commit that holding penalty. No 100-yard receivers in Week 3 against Baltimore, but uh, Hardman had 97 and Kelsey had 89. Week 4 against Detroit, again, no 100-yard receivers, but Kelsey had 85. Week 5 against the Colts, Zach, who had 100 yards in this game? Byron Pringle did. Byron Pringle had 103 yards. Uh, McCole Hardman had 79, Kelsey had 70. So you have uh, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey, almost uh, McCole Hardman, but I won't count him, and Byron Pringle. So four players, almost five, where you've had five different players, so close to five different players, where you almost had 100 receiving yards. Patrick Mahomes can throw to anyone. Just give him an offensive line to block, and as long as he has a reliable offensive line, this is a guy who is going to take this offense to the next level with anyone. Yeah, and I think Pringle especially is proof of that because, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a solid receiver, but he's not in the same league as, like, Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill, for example. Like, you know, Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill, when healthy, are genuinely elite receivers. Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, you know, I think that, I mean, obviously Robinson is in a step, you know, step or two above Pringle, but... Yeah, the fact that he had Pringle going for 103 yards, yeah, he was an undrafted free agent. Yeah, he he no no other teams picked him up when we waived him earlier this year. No other teams picked him up then either. Uh, and so I, I'm with you on the Mahomes can throw to anybody thing, though it certainly doesn't hurt to have some you know additional receiving talent elsewhere throughout the lineup. Yeah, for sure. And look, a lot of people are saying, well, Mahomes is succeeding because he has Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Yeah, that's that's part of it. But listen, at the same time, uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey both had career numbers 
with uh, Patrick Mahomes, numbers that they could not put up with Alex Smith. Uh, Mahomes has also helped Watkins and Robinson have the best games of their careers. Uh, so you know Mahomes has that kind of effect, and he can certainly uh, help any pass catcher uh, have not just the best game of, of their uh, – have best single game uh, numbers, but even single season numbers, and, and essentially have a, a great career as long as Mahomes is throwing the ball to them. We saw Peyton Manning do it. We saw Brett Favre do it with so many different guys. Drew Brees is doing it now. Tom Brady's doing it now. Tom Brady has been able to succeed with everybody. Uh, I would have loved to see an experiment where Gronk played with a different quarterback. I'd love to know, you know, what kind of a career he would have had. But uh, you get the idea. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's move on here. Uh... We know about uh, the firing with the Washington Redskins. You alluded to this earlier. Jay Gruden out in Washington. Uh, so Bleacher Report released a wish list for Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins. The list includes Mike Tomlin, which is interesting because he's still with the Steelers. I get a move could happen, but kind of funny to put his name now. Todd Bowles, who is the head coach of the Jets. And... Third on the list, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. We know he was a candidate to become a head coach last year. Many thought he was on his way to Cincinnati. The offense has continued to put up big numbers. Uh, I know this week not the case, but more times than not, they have been. At this rate, it does make sense that Bieniemy will attract interest from other teams. Is it fair to say that this is Eric Bieniemy's last year in Kansas City, Zach? I mean, I think it depends on how it goes, realistically. Uh, and... I mean, I, you'd have to think that his name is going to come up in almost every head coaching you know, vacancy from here forward. Uh, and, I mean, obviously it did last year, too. So I think that, you know, it's certainly possible, you know, if we, you know, call it, go the 13-3, and three, something like that, you know, offense continues to do what it's been doing, uh, and, you know, we make it to an AFC title game or a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to see enemy, uh you know, getting interest from uh, other clubs. So... Yeah, I think you're probably fair to say that it is his probably his last season here in Kansas City. Yeah, I know we say that a lot with Dave Tobe, and it took. I mean, it's he's still on the team, uh, although special teams has not been very good this year for the Chiefs. But uh, the offense, this is the best it's ever been in franchise history, one of the best in NFL history. So yeah, I can see Eric Bieniemy for sure leaving Kansas City after this year. Hopefully, he's leaving after February and not before that. Uh, Speaking of Eric Bieniemy, everyone's talking about this. This is one of the biggest storylines in the NFL this week, or at least on Wednesday. It was the shove that happened on Sunday Night Football between Travis Kelsey and Eric Bieniemy. Kelsey had a couple of drops in this game during the first half, and I'm sure Eric Bieniemy got on his case for that. And next thing you know, Kelsey shoves him. It's a light shove. It's nothing too crazy. Uh, everyone got in the middle of it, and then we saw the cameras capture Kelsey hugging Bienemy, which was probably, what, 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds later, so they were able to squash that, and I got no issue with that. However, um, we do have a double standard going on here, Zach, because Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict, friend of the podcast, he put out a great tweet, one that upset some people, and I don't know why people got upset about this, but he mentioned that if Marcus Peters pushed Bob Sutton the same exact way, here in Kansas City, it would be a massive story. It would be a much bigger story than the Kelsey Bienemy thing. Listen, the people who lashed out on Marcus Peters for his immaturity, they don't lash out the same way for Travis Kelsey's immaturity. And I've got a couple of examples here. Marcus Peters threw a penalty flag. His entire theme 
team thought he was ejected, by the way. Kelsey threw a towel at the direction of a referee. Peters punched a Titans player. Kelsey shoved his coach. Peters cursed out a a fan at a game once. Kelsey did the -the below-the-belt gesture at a referee. He claimed it was towards Vaughn Miller for his late hit on Alex Smith. Whoa, 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 whoa. He was rolling dice. Uh, Rolling dice. Okay, all right. Uh, But he tweeted saying it was uh, towards Von Miller, which I don't buy, to be honest with you. Uh, Another example. It was definitely joking, obviously. uh, Another example. (laughs) Totally deliberate. Peters wouldn't stand for the national anthem in his final season with the Chiefs. uh, But a lot of people are forgetting Kelsey. He kneeled after the Trump SOB comment. And I get a lot of NFL players uh, protested after that comment was made. But Kelsey was still a part of that. Uh, nobody seemed to want to criticize him for that there, then. So look, why the double standard, man? And don't tell me it's because Kelsey is better or more of a leader. I've gotten some tweets about that. That's still no reason to act immature. And I got tweets from people saying that Kelsey's better. He didn't get traded. Peters is not going to get a new deal in LA. That has nothing to do with immature actions. At the end of the day, when you're calling Peters a punk, who, by the way, fed 250 families on Thanksgiving and gave out 300 winter coats during Christmas in his last season with the Chiefs and in his first year in L.A. had a backpack drive. You're going to call that guy a punk? I don't know. But nonetheless, Kelsey does charity events too. I just don't follow the double, double standard. And I'll say it, sure, I mean, it's a, it's a race thing. Uh, and sure, a lot of it has to do with the national anthem protesting, uh, which, by the way, Kelsey kneeled at one point during the anthem. Uh, so I, I don't know why we're giving Kelsey so many excuses for this. But for Marcus Peters, yeah, sure, let's criticize him. Why not? Yeah, I I think that part of it is also the general reactions that, you know, the, the way that they interact with the media and the way that Kelsey kind of plays off this, like, hey, look at me, I'm just this big old goofball. Uh, where Peters was, you know, a little bit more sarcastic and, you know, I mean, he was actually pretty clever in some of the ways that he would, you know, he, he was very measured in his comments with the media. And it's, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I find it funny. And all of those incidents that you mentioned, you know, when Peters chucked the penalty flag out there, like, you know, I, I defended him on a couple of occasions in a couple of different conversations with people, recognizing that realistically he had two choices there. Go get in Steven Nelson's face for, you know, continually holding. We would all love to get in Steven Nelson's face. Yeah, and, like, that's what Peters could have done, but instead he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to go after my teammate, so I'll just chuck this flag into the stands, which, again, I thought was hilarious. Uh, Same goes for when Kelsey threw the towel at the ref, because, again, it was kind of a BS call that, you know. Uh, That I I agree with. Like, I, I still thought that was funny. You know, don't necessarily love the punch and Titans players or shoving coaches bit, but, you know, I don't know. Like, I guess I agree with you in terms of the double standard doesn't need to be a thing. Like, I don't understand why it is. I've obviously been on Team Marcus Peters for a while. Um, certainly would love to still have him here in KC because, hey, man, you know, say what you want about the guy. I'm pretty sure he's not going to give up 65-some-odd yards in penalties the way Bashad Breeland did last weekend. Uh, you know, he might give up a long touchdown, but he might also get an interception, too. So I don't – I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. Um that yeah, that that has been the way it is. But I also think that people overblew the story of Kelsey and Bienemy a little bit. It seems like it's yeah you know, been smoothed over there. Yeah, and I will say I know a lot of it is media reaction, and they'll focus more on the shove versus the the hug for, that happened right after that. Um, you know, look here's my thing. 
in general, look, I think part of it has to do with the fact that Peters is no longer here, so it's easier to criticize him and easier to defend Kelsey. Uh, do you remember, uh, Zach, I can't remember what year, I want to say 2015? Um, I'm not sure, but the Chiefs were playing the Bills, and the Chiefs were trailing 10 nothing in that game. And a big reason for that is because Sammy Watkins was having a field day against Sean Smith. Obviously, this is before Sammy Watkins was a chief and Sean Smith was still a chief at the time. Do you remember that off the top of your head, Zach? Yeah, it rings a bell. So, here's what happened. Sean Smith did bad, but the Chiefs made adjustments at halftime and he did better. But when Sean Smith was released and he when he went to the Oakland Raiders... Every single Chiefs fan was saying, oh, well, we didn't need him anymore. He had a terrible game against Sammy Watkins. It's like, funny enough, he's on the team now. (laughs) So, uh, you know, is it one of those things where it's just, okay, the guy's not on the team anymore. So, yeah, let's criticize him. But, oh, Kelsey's still on the team. Let's not criticize him as much. That's one problem I have in this double standard, too. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely a thing where, you know, and we saw it with the way that you know other teams fans came after you know us with the Tyreek Hill thing and the way that realistically some of us went after you know Antonio Brown uh and you know it, it's absolutely people turn a blind eye when their guys do it i think that's you know kind of natural part of fans let me just let me is it hypocritical hold on. absolutely let but. me let me just say something the Antonio Brown thing is funny to me because I mean, as soon as we talked about this, as soon as the uh, allegations came out, Patriots fan. Oh, there are two sides to a story. When if he was still a Raider, you know what they'd be saying. Of course, and that's you know it, it just proves my point there. It's you know the hypocrisy of fanhood. Um, you know, not all of us are able to you know see both sides. And don't get me wrong, I screw it up too. Um, you know, I I absolutely you know found you know the the silver lining in the uh, Tyreek thing. Um, I mean, not initially, uh, as we've gone over many times on the podcast, but, uh, you know, certainly happy to focus on the you know parts where it looks a little bit better for us. And I think that's something that all fans do. And it's, you know, it's foolish to pretend like it's not the case. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesuvian at Farzin21 at Z Steginga. Uh, I forgot to mention this earlier on the podcast, but Rob Bro of the Rob Bro Show in Lubbock, Texas, will be joining us in a moment. But before we get into that, let's talk about some of these key Chiefs transactions uh, because the Chiefs have had a very busy week due to multiple injuries on the offensive and defensive line. So let's get right into that. Uh, first things first, the Chiefs signed defensive tackle Terrell McClain due to injuries to Chris Jones and Xavier Williams, according to Ian Rappaport. And I'll get into Chris Jones' injury in a moment because that is a significant one. He's a, he's going to miss uh, some time, according to reports. Uh, but McLean, he has played for the Panthers, the Patriots, the Texans, Cowboys, Cardinals, Redskins, and uh, the Cardinals again. Uh, 127 games, 87 starts, 84 tackles, 7.5 sacks in his career. So he is going to be joining the Kansas City Chiefs. Then the Chiefs waived offensive lineman Ryan Hunter, who I believe only played... 11 snaps. It was 11 very terrible snaps, uh, and that was enough. He did a great turnstile impression, though. Uh, Well, uh, not enough to keep him on the team. He is out, but coming in, I gotta say I'm a little excited for this one here. Offensive lineman Steven Wisniewski, formerly of the Raiders, drafted by the Raiders in the second round, also with the Jaguars and the Eagles, and yes, he does have experience with the Super Bowl uh, Eagles team. In fact, he started that Super Bowl 
for the Oakland, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, just a quick note: Pro Football Focus uh, outlined his career starts, uh, or his snaps rather. Uh, he has played a lot of center. Uh, actually, in his in the first what was it five years, he played primarily center. And then the last three years uh, with the Eagles, he had played a lot of guard. He played a little bit of right guard, only, what was it, 43 combined snaps at right guard. And he has played a lot of left guard for the Eagles. And that is the same area where Andrew Wiley suffered an injury. Ryan Hunter came in there, and that was not very helpful. Uh, I mean, not in the least bit. That's a big reason why. Uh, the Chiefs struggle protecting Patrick Mahomes. Uh, now, his blocking grades from Pro Football Focus, they were pretty bad in 2018, in the 50s and 60s, whereas in 2017, 2016, and 2015, he's mostly in the 70s and 60s, which is considered good. In fact, he had a pass blocking grade of 82.9 in 2015 and 82.3 in 2013 as a center, 848 in 2012 as a center also. So he's had more good years than not. 2018 was certainly a bad year for him. Uh, But this is a guy that, hey, look, might as well roll the dice, do something about it. He's only allowed eight sacks in his career. And he has played almost 3,000 snaps at left guard and more than 4,000 snaps at center. And again, eight sacks allowed. Roll the dice, man. Uh, I I like this move. I do too. I mean, realistically, you know, I think that in a you know strange turn of events here, you know, would we we've actually now gotten better at the left guard position because I, you know, definitely go on record as saying that uh, Wisniewski is certainly better than uh, Andrew Wiley. I think the you know reality of the injuries being what they are kind of forced our hand on this, um, and I you know I'm excited to see him come in and uh, you know kind of shore up that offensive line. I think he's going to be a you know, real solid addition to this team. Uh, you know, good veteran player who has you know been around the block a few times, and uh, you know, realistically, he might even be able to help out a little bit at center if you know Ryder gets shaky. So, uh, certainly glad to see him on the team. Yeah, it, it's going to be nice to see. I think this is going to help Kansas City's offensive uh, offensive line performance. Uh, now, is he going to play right away? Offensive line position. I mean, what is there to learn at that spot versus like a wide receiver or a cornerback? I think that's um, that's up for debate to see if he plays this week. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's a lot to learn there that we'll have to get him up to speed on. But realistically, I think his familiarity with uh, you know the fact that you know, Doug Peterson's offense certainly does mirror Andy's a little. Yeah, that's bit. a good point. Um, I think he might be able to get up to speed a little bit faster uh, than many others, but wouldn't be shocked to see him you know still playing on Sunday realistically with as early as they brought him in in the week and the fact that we have no other real good options I bet you'll see him playing quite a fair bit on Sunday yeah even you know outside of Eric Fisher the Chiefs have uh made a lot of offensive linemen inactive so uh we'll see if he plays this week uh I don't anticipate it but we'll see uh I certainly think it's a great addition nonetheless for the Chiefs as they try to improve that offensive line play on the team We'll get into the Chiefs and Texans breakdown in just a moment. Before we get into that, joining us right now on the phone lines all the way from Lubbock, Texas. Yes, that is the same Lubbock, Texas where Patrick Mahomes played college ball before getting drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. He is Rob Bro, host of the Rob Bro Show on Talk 1340. 
You can listen to him on 1340 if you're in the Lubbock, Texas area, or listen online, kkam.com. I've been uh, lucky to be a guest on this gentleman's show a couple of times. You can listen to him weekdays, 9 to 11 a.m. Now, we're turning the tables. He's coming on to this podcast. He is Rob Bro. What's going on, bro? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I've got to ask, because your name, by the way, follow him on Twitter, at Rob Bro Show. Now, Bro is spelled B-R-E-A-U-X. Uh, i got to ask, how many people pronounce your name Rob Breeks? Oh, every telemarketer ever. Uh, <laughs> Brio, Briox, Briox. I get it all. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny, because... With my last name, Vesugian, it's like, look, I mean, I, I've gotten all kinds of pronunciations over the years. So, uh, Zach, I mean, his last name is Stegengan, I'm sure. I mean, every time I use uh, Siri to call Zach, they pronounce it Stejenga. I'm sure Siri has a great pronunciation for my name as well. So, all three of us can uh, relate in the in the same way. But nonetheless, uh, we got we got a lot to talk about here. Um, now, some of you guys might be wondering, why is it that I'm bringing on a guy from Lubbock, uh, Texas, to, to be on this podcast? Well, one thing I think is really cool that I think Chiefs fans should be aware of, uh, your station, Talk 1340, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if it was the beginning of this 2019 season or the beginning of the 2019 calendar year, but you guys started carrying Kansas City Chiefs games before it was Denver Broncos games, and I asked you before, I said, is this because of Patrick Mahomes? And you said, in response, 100% because of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, absolutely. So we started last year in the middle of the year. I think we still had the Broncos on our station, but every every gap that wasn't covered by a Broncos game, we put on the Chiefs games, and then obviously the uh, playoffs. Also, and then starting this offseason, we do the Monday night show from uh, the Chiefs network, uh, and then the radio broadcast as well. And it's it's absolutely because of Patrick Mahomes. He's kind of a phenomenon here in Lubbock. He's he's never left. He's still on the uh, McGavick Nissan commercial. We have uh, him everywhere. Every Texas Tech store still has number five jerseys. Uh, you have the hats that say Mahomes on them. His logos everywhere. So uh, we're still big time into Mahomes down here in Lubbock. And just to be clear, when you're saying number five jerseys, that was Patrick Mahomes college jersey at the time whereas now he has number 15 uh listen i've got to i've got to ask man because in kansas city we've had guys like joel Embiid uh who went to ku he he he's gotten some some shine in the nba we thought andrew wiggins would be this massive big guy in the nba not the case mario chalmers another ku guy got some attention during his miami heat success but understandably so overshadowed by lebron james there chase daniel a Mizzou product who was very close to winning a Heisman at one point. Uh, been a backup in the NFL. Yeah, he's sure he came to Kansas City, but, you know, those same fans were going to watch the Chiefs anyway. Uh, can you just kind of, because we don't know what it's like to have a KU, K-State, or Mizzou guy get that superstar glory in the professional ranks. Can you just give us a feel what the perception is like when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and what kind of coverage does he get today in Lubbock from fans and the media? Uh, from the media, it's it's everywhere. Every blog, every tech blog is doing NFL recaps. And Texas Tech hasn't had a ton of professional success in any sport, really. So we kind of claim Patrick as our own. And it's always the response outside of Lubbock is, uh, oh, well, you never won at Texas Tech, so why are you still claiming him? But it's, it's more than that, you know. And if he wins in the professional ranks, uh, you see it everywhere. Even when he loses, you see – recaps and all the records he breaks it seems like there's new blogs from 
the TV stations, uh, the sports guys, the Texas Tech websites that just specifically write about Texas Tech still do Patrick Mahomes recaps. It's crazy. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when when Patrick was here, obviously he was a backup his first year. He was just he was sitting, you know, at a Royals game or at a Big Twelve tournament game at Sprint Center in downtown KC. I mean, he was able to sit with with really just about the, anybody, the rest of the fans. Now he's in the suites because no one's going to leave him alone. Uh, I remember he went to a sporting Kansas City game last year, the, the local MLS team. And and look, it's a, it's a soccer town here, but there were even some people who are not soccer fans that followed the game just because they found out on Twitter Mahomes was at the game. Um, even when, even though Texas Tech is a rival or was a rival for either KU, K State, or Mizzou, Mizzou of course now in the SEC. Uh, everyone was cheering for Texas Tech. Why? Because Patrick Mahomes is a former Texas Tech guy, and he's there, and, you know, CBS kept showing him every 60 seconds, uh, every time Texas Tech made a play during the Final Four. Uh, and, you know, you just see all these people in the area pulling for for Mahomes, uh, or, or Texas Tech, rather, simply because it's Mahomes. Are you guys aware of the kind of craze that he's getting in Kansas City with the Madden cover and the serial uh, sponsorships that, that, that uh, one of many sponsorships that he's getting. Well, I even think it's national. It's not just Lubbock. It's not just Kansas city. I mean, he's, he's all over ESPN. He's got Oakley, Adidas. Uh, he's on the Amazon commercials, yeah. he's state farm commercials. I mean, he's a national phenomenon. So, uh, yeah, we write about him a lot, but it's also, you're just congregating like, or aggregating the ESPN stuff and the the coverage from elsewhere, the Fox Sports specials they put out last year that because he's from White House and so they're doing a White House high school football spotlights. So it, it's really just it's a national thing and uh, he's just such an easy guy to root for. I mean his personal uh, stylings, his life, it just seems like he's so down to earth. He's relatable, and so I think it's easy to see why everyone loves him so much. And of course he's really good. Yeah, that's 100% true, and I can certainly attest, you know, being out here in New York City, uh, you know, you walk through Times Square every once in a while, and, you know, I'll see the, whether it was when they were advertising first for the Madden game, or the uh, Oakley ads are the ones that I would see more often than not on, like, those big marquees, uh, you know, certainly uh, gets the national love uh, out here as well. Uh, though I guess I'm curious, you know, as far as Ian mentioned, you know, people uh, in Kansas City have been cheering for the, uh, you know, we're cheering for the Texas Tech team, uh, on the way to the Final Four, I- I'm curious, who got more love? Is it Mahomes or you know was it the national uh, runner-up Texas Tech basketball team there? I assume Mahomes takes it, right? Uh, yeah. During well, during the game, it was the basketball team, but uh, you're you're obviously right. He gets a lot of love now, and I would say the Chiefs get almost as much coverage as Texas Tech football does, and that's pretty crazy to me because. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech's the big draw here. I mean, it's a college town. Mm-hmm. You guys know what it's like. Well, obviously not New York, but uh, they're in Kansas City. A lot of high school ath- or uh, college athletics going on. But the uh, the Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes stuff is just about as big as Texas Tech. But we're still pretty big Texas Tech fans here, so I don't know that he gets more coverage. But uh, as far as him not being in Lubbock, he still gets a ton of coverage. That's awesome. And you covered Mahomes all throughout his college career, correct? So, I guess I'd love to hear the story. So, 
do you, do you have any you know, real memory of you know the first moment where you were like, whoa, this kid is you know? I mean, we've had some good quarterbacks come through the program and obviously some high flying offenses, but this one is different. Was there any real moment like that for you? Okay, so his first play ever was against Oklahoma State. He comes in after Davis Webb gets injured, and he throws. Uh, he, he fumbles and enters and throws an interception on the same play. <laughs> wait, so, wait. Is that tech? Yeah, yeah. He fumbled the snap, and then he threw an interception on, on his first play ever at Texas Tech. Great story. And then that. the rest is yeah. Well, that's not that's not the moment I thought he'd be great. Uh, and then the rest of his year, that year, he's injured, he's hurt. The the team was terrible. They were four and eight that year. And then the next season, his, his sophomore season, there's a play against Iowa State where he's rolling left and throws back right at the goal line, and it it was on a wire. These shortstop throws, he, he throws all the time now. Uh, but that was the moment I realized. I actually wrote a blog about it maybe a, a couple of months of the next year. This is the moment I realized that Patrick Mahomes is really good. So, And a throw against Iowa State in his uh, sophomore season, I, I realized he was pretty special. That's awesome. And I guess, you know, coming off the heels of, you know, last weekend uh, where it looks like you guys have another pretty solid quarterback coming through the system, you know, do, do you think we'll be able to see, uh, you know, some Jet Duffy coming into the league here in a couple years, or is it, you know, not the same? Uh, no, it's it's not the same yet, but uh, Jet Duffy's kind of a different beast than Patrick. Uh, Patrick played as a freshman. He, he took the job over as a sophomore, and then he was a Heisman candidate in senior year. Uh, the, the team didn't see enough success for him to realize those dreams, but a Jet's been here for three years now, four years maybe. He's a junior now, a redshirt junior, and he's just now getting his shot because of some injuries. So it was special to see him kind of break out for 400 yards, but uh, I don't know that we're going to crown him the next Patrick Mahomes yet. We are joined by Rob Bro, host of the Rob Bro Show on Talk 1340 in Lubbock, Texas. You can also listen online at kkam.com, 9 to 11 weekdays. If you are a Texas Tech fan, if you like the Texas Rangers, uh, no offense, Rob, but if anyone or anyone listening is a Dallas Cowboys fan, hey, the Rob Bro Show is for you. So anything uh, Texas sports, I'm sure they are covering that. And you guys cover a little bit of Chiefs as well. I want to get back to the Chiefs in a moment, but uh, I want to... Uh, continue with the Texas Tech talk, and more specifically, uh, Patrick's college coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he went 19-35 and 35 in Big 12 play, yet he landed a head coaching job in the NFL. I mean, this guy didn't even win in the Big 12, yet he still landed a job with the Arizona Cardinals. So, two questions here. How the hell did that happen, and are Texas Tech fans following his career in Arizona, just to see how things pan out for him? Yeah, it was weird. At the end of last year, there was uh, maybe half the fan base was, please, dear God, get this guy out of here. Uh, and then the other half really were on Cliff's side because he is such a Texas Tech institution. I mean, he played here. He came back. He, he reunited the fractured fan base after uh, Kent Hance fired Mike Leach and then hired Tommy Tuberville, and Tommy Tuberville left during a recruiting dinner. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury kind of saved the program, everyone thought, and then he just never had success. He just didn't. Uh, and then, yeah, he did fall backwards into that Cardinals job, uh, but he still he still holds, I don't know if it's a, a respect in, in Lubbock or 
just the name recognition is so positive uh, because of everything he did here. He, he put his life's work into it, basically. He spent six seasons here as a coach, four seasons as a player, so he spent a decade in Lubbock. Uh, and so I think fans still keep up with the Cardinals. Uh, obviously, it's not a – I'd say that's the third or fourth NFL team to a lot of households uh, behind the Chiefs, the Cowboys, maybe the Texans a little bit. But, but I would say the Cardinals maybe even the third most popular NFL team here in Lubbock right now. I wanted to ask you because obviously we had this really unfortunate game on uh, Sunday night. You may have caught it with the rest of the nation. Um, you know, I want your outsider's perspective uh, because Zach and I, we've spent some time talking about this on the podcast uh, and we've just seen the reaction on social media. I don't know how much uh, Chiefs coverage you do see on social media, but uh, there is a meltdown, man. I mean, I mean, you start 4-0, you're playing all undefeated teams and you lose to a team like the Colts, and I get it. It was a national game. The Chiefs certainly looked really bad, and that deserves to be criticized. But there are a lot of fans that are very critical, wanting changes at uh, general manager, at head coach. I mean, just I mean, the town seems like it's on fire at the moment. I, I want to know, and I know you you're a little biased because you obviously are. I mean, you're a Texas Tech guy. You covered Texas Tech. You 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 knew Mahomes before we really did. I'm kind of curious, what is your outsider's perspective seeing that the Chiefs started 4-0, they had that really tough loss on Sunday night? Uh, how do you view this team? Because a lot of Chiefs fans just feel really down right now. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs are still the second best team in the AFC. You're just well, obviously behind the Patriots just because it's the Patriots. Until you beat them, you can't be ahead of them. Uh, but your, your offensive line depth seems uh, lacking. Uh, obviously, there's some injuries there. And the defense, it's a brand-new defense. It's going to take time. Uh, here in Lubbock, everyone was trying to fire Matt Wells, the brand-new coach that replaced Cliff Kingsbury, uh, because he got beat by Oklahoma by 50. And so fan bases just sometimes overreact, uh, I guess is the word. But it seems to me, isn't Andy Reid on the hot seat every year with fans? Isn't there a game every year where – it's his clock management or his decision-making at the end of a game that makes everyone mad. It doesn't happen I mean, every year. Th there have been a lot of brutal uh, final games. Uh, I mean, the playoff game in Indy, the Steelers game where they didn't even score a touchdown and they beat us, the blown lead at home. It's always a very, very tough ending uh, with the Chiefs. So, yeah, in a way, he kind of is, to be fair. But isn't that Andy Reid, even since he's a, an Eagles coach, they went to, what, five NFC championships uh, and yep. lost one Super Bowl? So Correct. I mean, you're going to see some success, but there's also going to be tough games. It's, it's the NFL, though, right? I mean, the NFL, you're not going to go undefeated. So it just seems like uh, an overreaction there. But when does Ty is Tyreek Hill coming back this week? Uh, we still don't know yet on that. Uh, the injury report will come out um, as the week goes on. But he, he was practicing last week. He was limited in practice. So uh, it seems like maybe his chances of playing this week could go up a little bit. But I think people are still hoping that, you know, they just don't rush him back on the field at the very least. It seems like an overreaction to want to fire uh, Brett Beach, especially after everyone loved him just, what, four months ago? <laughs> no, certainly fair. I, I just wanted your outsider's perspective because Chiefs fans, I think, uh, have just come to, and we, we've talked about this again before you came on, Chiefs fans have just come, come to expect perfection because, 
you were what an offsides call away from a Super Bowl and Mahomes is, you know, the greatest thing since I spread. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely an overreaction. I would agree with you. And I just wanted your uh, outsider's perspective just to see where you kind of stood on that. Uh, hey, hey, Rob, before we let you go, I, I mentioned, you know, host of the Rob Bro Show on Talk 1340 and you can listen online. It's weekdays, 9 to 11 a.m. in the mornings. Uh, I mentioned some of the topics you guys cover, Texas Tech, the Rangers, the Cowboys, and I know you guys do a little bit of Chiefs as well because of Mahomes, and you guys carry the Chiefs games on your station. Uh, what can fans expect when they listen to your show? What, what are they getting on the Rob Bro Show? Uh, we try to have fun. We try to be honest, and it's a lot of Texas Tech talk, and I would say we even cover the Chiefs just as much as anybody else uh, outside of Texas Tech, but uh, we try to have fun. Honesty, real thought. I don't know. It's it's uh, a Lubbock perspective for sure. And so, if you're trying to get inside the minds of some Lubbockites, uh, maybe want to see where Patrick came from, where he's what he's dealt with for the last uh, decade, you can uh, tune into the Rob Brusher. That'd be fun. Awesome. Well, you can do that again. Talk thirteen forty and online. KKAM dot com. If you're out of the Lubbock, Texas area, follow him on Twitter at rob bro show hey rob uh i know i've been a guest on your show a couple of times and i've been wanting to get you on for quite some time and uh, i thought this was a good week to do so so i appreciate you making time for us and i'm sure we'll reconnect down the road again sure you have to come back and see us sometime absolutely man we can make it happen hey thanks for coming by take care yes sir appreciate it all right bye bye all right off he goes rob bro you can check him out in lubbock texas KKAM.com for those of you out of Lubbock, Texas, the Rob Rose Show. Big thanks to him making some time for us. All right, Zach, let's get right into it. Chiefs and Texans. Uh, This is a game where the Chiefs are definitely pissed off. They're looking to turn things around. It's a big rebound opportunity for them. So you know the Chiefs are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they definitely want to come out firing in this football game. The last time these two teams played Sunday night football in uh, 2017 in October, Kansas City won that game 42 to 35. Deshaun Watson threw five touchdown passes to rally. He threw five last week as well, uh, but that was not enough as Tyree Kill's 82-yard punt return helped put the game away. And by the way, this was not a Mahomes versus Watson game. Uh, they were both on the team at the time, but uh, Mahomes was behind Alex Smith. The last four meetings, by the way, including the playoff win that we mentioned earlier, all of them in Houston. The last Arrowhead meeting was in 2013. Case Keenum made his first ever NFL start. And uh, Case Keenum still in the NFL today. Weather for this one, we're starting to see some colder temperatures in the area. Uh, high 50s, low 60s in, uh, in Arrowhead in Kansas City. Uh, no chance of rain. Winds up to 8 miles per hour. As far as the odds go, the Chiefs are, are five-point favorite, excuse me, uh, five-point favorites uh, for this game. Announcers, Ian Eagle, Dan Fouts, and Evan Washburn, the field reporter. I got a lot of complaints about this, but hey, I don't uh, decide the announcers. Referee for this game, Sean Hockley. Yes, that last name is very familiar, and yes, he is the son of Ed Hockley. Debuted in the NFL in 2014 as a side judge. He became a referee last year in 2018, so this is his second year. His first Chiefs game was in October of 2018 as a referee, and that is when the Air Kareem happened uh, in the uh, Chiefs-Broncos game, if you remember that. And he was also the referee for the Chiefs-Raiders game in Week 17 when Mahomes got his 50th 
touchdown pass. Uh, Zach, have is you had to... he as jacked as his dad? That's the real uh, question. I've got to be honest. I cannot say I would recognize him if I saw him in the street. So uh, I guess we'll find out on Sunday. Um, do, you, do you know this? Do you do you remember his appearance? No, I mean I I just assume he probably looks a little like you know Ed Hockley, just younger would be my guess. So. I just know Ed was always the guy famous for being just absolutely jacked. You know what's funny? I just realized this. The the two games Sean Hockley has officiated Chiefs games, I, I, I'll admit, didn't pay too close attention because both times I was on vacation, one I was watching on my phone, which is not the most enjoyable viewing experience, and the second time I was at a sports bar in uh, Vegas. But nonetheless, um, have you seen the viewing map for this Chiefs game? Yeah, I saw you tweeted it out earlier, and uh, I'm just excited to finally see New York City in red. That's a nice new trick. Hopefully it stays that way. Sometimes they update these uh, these maps as the week goes along. Like 80%, maybe even 85% of the nation is watching. Uh, Pittsburgh, D.C., Baltimore, Cincinnati areas, uh, Cleveland area. Uh, and let's see, I don't know if I'm missing any other major markets there, but Lexington... Uh, market as well they will be getting a different game i've got to be honest i don't even have in front of me what game that is uh and then uh, if you are in charlotte atlanta new orleans uh and a majority of florida uh that whole southern region uh they are getting a different game by the way i don't know what's going on with spoken washington which covers yeah. northeast washington northern I- idaho and a tiny bit of montana they are not getting the Chiefs game. Meanwhile, like everyone else around them is getting the Chiefs game, and, and they're getting the game that's you know in SEC country. It's very strange. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. And again, they update these as um, as the week goes on. Uh, and by the way, if you are in Anchorage, if you are in Fairbanks, Alaska, or if you're in Honolulu, Hawaii, you are getting the Chiefs game as well for all of you uh, uh, west of. The 48 continental states. All right, injury report. This is going to be the longest injury report I've ever read, so bear with me. Uh, Eric Fisher, Chris Jones, DOD, Sammy Watkins, and Andrew Wiley. None of them practice. Tyreek Hill and Anthony Hitchens, both limited in uh, practice. We'll see what happens as the week goes on with Tyreek Hill. It seemed like he was, it seemed like there was a chance he could have played uh, this past Sunday night. Uh, again, I don't like for the Chiefs to rush into things. I feel like they've maybe done that a little bit in the past. So hopefully, uh, they take their time with Tyreek Hill. Uh, as for the rest of the, uh, injuries, Cam Irving has any injury. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, we all know about the ankle injury. LaShawn McCoy also has an ankle injury. Alex Okafor has a hip injury. And Anthony Sherman has a shoulder injury. They are all full participants from Wednesday's practice. We'll see how things go Thursday and Friday. I'll keep you guys posted. Meanwhile, for the Texans, this is going to be a very quick uh, injury update. Uh, Greg Manx, I believe is how you say it. Manx, Manx, uh, the the center slash guard. He has a concussion, did not practice. Everybody else, DeAndre Hopkins, he was limited, but it's not injury-related from what they're saying. But uh, everyone else on their injury report... They were either limited or they had full participation in practice, including former Chief Carlos Hyde, who we'll touch on shortly. Uh, quick Chiefs update with the rankings. Fourth in points per game. First in passing. Uh, and they are 25th in rushing. Second in total offense. Still one of the best with 444 yards per game. The defense, 
Again, this the numbers did go up a bit, but that's very misleading, as we mentioned earlier. 14th in points per game, 13th against the pass, and 30th against the run, allowing more than 155 yards a game. So obviously, if you're Houston, you have an opportunity to do something similar to what the Colts did. We'll see if they do that. Head coach for the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. He was a college assistant from 93 to 2006. A Patriots assistant from 2007 to 2011. He was the head coach of Penn State from 2012 to 2013. And then was hired as the head coach of the Houston Texans in 2014. Offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. He's been with Houston since 2014 as an assistant uh, doing a couple different things. Uh, He was at a few different colleges before that. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator, and you look at their rankings, 12th in points per game, 19th in total offense, 25th in passing, which is a bit of a surprise when you have Deshaun Watson, but you know Deshaun Watson can move as well. He is 7th, or excuse me, the team is 7th when it comes to rushing with more than 132 yards a game, and let's talk about Deshaun Watson, who had 5 touchdowns last week in the 53-32 to win over the Atlanta Falcons. He's got 1,364 yards, that's 10th best in the NFL. He's got 11 touchdown passes, tying Patrick Mahomes and uh, a few others. Excuse me, that's tied second. I said best. Uh, I meant to say tied second with Mahomes and a few others. And he has just one interception on the season. Carlos Hyde, we remember him from the offseason participation he had with the Chiefs plus the preseason. He has 310 carries. That is the 15th most in the NFL. Uh, but he's got a pair of touchdowns as well. Duke Johnson has 205 yards for the Houston Texans. And Deshaun Watson has 122 yards himself, scrambling and three touchdowns. So you know that this, right off the gate, Zach, Marlon Mack, we saw what he did. And you know the Houston Texans, as great as Deshaun Watson is, and as much as he can probably light up this Chief secondary, you know it's probably the better option to... Utilize the running game and try to dominate time of possession just like the way the Colts did. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're absolutely going to see them run the ball until we can prove that we can stop it realistically. I mean, that's what I would do. Uh, and based on the way that they've you know played offense in the past, I see no reason to think that they're going to do otherwise. And you look at some of the pass catchers they have, you know on play action it'll definitely hurt the Chiefs. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, again, was... Uh, limited in practice, but it was not injury-related. He leads the team with 31 catches. He had 115 catches last year, not a single drop. Now, he's had a couple of drops this year already, uh, but the 31 catches ties 11th in the NFL, 347 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Will Fuller leads the team in receiving yards with 400 yards, exactly 11th in the NFL in that category, and he leads the team with three touchdown grabs on the season. How much of that was last week? Yeah, that is, uh, I, I don't have that in front of me, but... Yeah, a lot is the yeah. answer to your question. I'm pretty sure yeah, all I mean, of the touchdowns were last week. They went off. Uh, Kenny Stills, he had 188 yards and a touchdown off 11 catches. Second highest rated wide receiver by Pro Football Focus, which is interesting. Uh, this guy's very interesting. Darren Fells, he has nine catches. Uh, a third of them in the end zone. He had two catches last week, both of them resulted in touchdowns against the Falcons. This guy was brought in more to be a blocking tight end, and in fact, I was listening to his interview on SiriusXM Wednesday afternoon. This guy was a pro basketball player internationally. I know he's played in Belgium and in Mexico, uh, so he doesn't have a lot of football experience yet. He's been brought, he's been in uh, Houston, and 
he's done very well for them as a blocking tight end, and he's he's a guy that Deshaun Watson relies on. He's thrown the ball to him a few times this year, and Comes through at times. Uh, the other tight end, Jordan Akins, he's got 10 catches as well as far as the offensive line goes. Left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, has a 75.6 pro, or rating from Pro Football Focus, and he was acquired uh, right before the regular season, if I remember correctly. Next highest is Nick Martin, the center, with 61.9. Former Chief Zach Fulton is part of this offensive line as well. I mean, so based on that, I see no reason to think that the Chiefs' uh, defensive line should also have a relatively easier time getting to Deshaun Watson. Will they, though? I mean, that's the that's the big question mark right there. And look, I know when Frank Clark and Chris Jones went out, the defense still looked the same to me. Now, as far as the pass rush goes in a full game without Chris Jones, who probably will not play this week, may not play for a couple of weeks, what I mean, what what kind of a presence will you have with your with your pass rush is what I want to know. Hopefully, Frank Clark will step up. I mean, the new guy we've got is more of a space eater, so I don't think he's going to be uh, much for pass rushing. But who knows? Maybe Colin Saunders will be able to show us something. That'd be kind of nice to see because he had some good moments, you know, coming in in relief uh, last week. I mean, I I don't know. At least when compared to Naughty, he didn't get blown up quite as bad. You are not a fan of Derek Naughty, are you? I, honestly, I like Naughty. I just did not like his effort last week. That's all. I mean, really, uh, as a general rule, I think he's all right. It's just last week was abysmal. Yeah. Um, I, I just know this Texans team, they're going to move the ball very, re- really well on the Chiefs. And you're certainly going to need a hell of a lot more than 13 points if you want to beat the Houston Texans. Uh, switching over to the defensive side, we all know this guy, the defensive coordinator, Romeo Cornell. Former Patriots defensive coordinator, helped the Patriots win three Super Bowls. There was a Browns head coach, and Zach, I cannot remember off the top of my head, how many wins did the Browns have last year? Was uh, it Were they 9-6-1? No, they didn't have a winning season. They had seven wins. Okay. I think they were 7-8-1. The reason I'm asking that, I think Romeo Cornell is still the last Browns head coach to lead them to double-digit wins. And they didn't make, make make the playoffs that year too. They were ten and six, if I remember correctly. So uh, it's been a while. Brown's um, gonna brown. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he was also the Chiefs' defensive coordinator. And wow, I, look, I know his run as a head coach was bad. I mean, he did not know why Jamal Charles was getting five carries as a head coach. That's pitiful. But you know what I will say about Romeo Cornell, Zach? This guy turned around some careers in Kansas City. Derek Johnson turned into a stud linebacker. Tom Bahali was ferocious, and Justin Houston dominated. Eric Berry certainly benefited from playing under Romeo Cornell for, what, the first three, four years of his career? Uh, Brandon Flowers, uh, he switched defensive coordinators, of course, and eventually played for Romeo Cornell. Uh, I mean, this guy, again, I know his head coaching run was a very short one, by the way. Uh, not the greatest, although his first game as a head coach against the Packers, that was fun to see. Um, but man, what he did to this team defensively, I really wish the Chiefs retained him as a defensive coordinator, but I get it. I mean, no one wants to revert back to a position. Um, so I understand that. But man, he is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, and it's no accident. Wherever he goes, you see great defensive players all around. Absolutely, and I mean, realistically, were it not for the fact that the secondaries leave something to be desired uh, in Houston, I think that you know he'd certainly be uh, you know back up near that you know kind of top ten in terms of you know p- 
points allowed on the defensive side. Yeah, we're going to touch on the defense right now. Some of the players, some of them already notable guys before Rack got there, but uh, everyone knows about Rack. Uh, Now, the defense, not so great this year. 25th in points per game, 16th in total defense, uh, 13th against the pass, 25th against the run. And I I looked at 25th against the run, and I'd love to sit here and say, well, maybe the Chiefs' offense can actually get going on the ground, but no. Uh, I've said that many times in the past, and it just does not pan out. Just got to throw the football. Uh, I mean, that's that's how, what you've got to do, especially when your quarterback's name is Patrick Mahomes II, of all people. Uh, as far as defensive players goes, uh, they've got a really good front uh, presence there. Whitney Marcellus has five sacks and a pick and four first fumbles, for crying out loud. J.J. Watt has four sacks and a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. D.J. Reeder has two and a half sacks on the season. They've got three players, McKinney, the linebacker, uh, Justin Reed, the safety, and another linebacker, Zach Cunningham. They all co-lead the team with 41 tackles. Tashawn Gibson, uh, he's got the other interception. They've got two picks this year. Gibson has the other one, and it was a pick six that went 79 yards to the end zone last week late in the game to help put the game away against the Atlanta Falcons. And as far as special teams goes, Brad Seeley, uh, he is a special teams coordinator. Uh, there are players on special teams. Uh, I hope I say this correctly. Kaimi, Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian guy. Kaimi Fairbairn, five of seven field goals this year. He's uh, missed both of his field goals from 50 plus. By the way, three of his 17 PATs he has missed. No blocks, no nothing. Uh, two of them last week. He also missed the PAT in the preseason too, so keep an eye on uh, on good old Fairburn against the Chiefs. Uh, Brian Agner came in after they cut Trevor Daniel a couple of weeks in, so he's the punter for the Houston Texans, averaging close to 44 punts per game, or, or per punt I should say. And as far as returners go, DeAndre Carter averaging 10 yards per return off punts, and he has just two kick returns for 34 yards on the season. I know I kind of skipped over the defense real quickly. Is there anything you wanted to add with that defense, Zach? No, I mean, the defense is pretty clear. I mean, you got, you know, Watt and Merciless coming in and, uh, you know, with the way that Merciless has a knack for forcing fumbles, uh, you know, and given the propensity the Chiefs have had to fumble the football since especially the Lions game, uh, really need to see, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of the ball. Uh, and then obviously J.J. Watt needs no introduction. I mean, he's one of the finest defensive players the league has seen certainly in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah, Mitchell Schwartz is going to have his hands full, and uh, hopefully Cam Irving doesn't get you know destroyed by Merciless, which, yeah, great name for a defensive player, especially <laughs> yeah. a pass rusher, if we can just mention that real quick. But by the way, uh, while we're on the subject, did you see the uh, tweet I put out uh, in the Facebook post of the um – of the culture. By the way, I just recently subscribed to uh, NFL Game Pass. It used to be called NFL Rewind, um, where uh, Cameron Irving allowed Justin Houston to slip by on that fourth and one play, where he tackled uh, McCoy for uh, loss yards. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, man, I don't know if you haven't go look at the tweet I put out there or the Facebook post. Cameron Irving looked lost. He bumps into his right guard or left guard to his right. And he just—it's like he didn't even know Justin Houston was lined up on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and he knew right away he screwed up as soon as Justin Houston went by. It was too damn late to do anything, and you know it's like that moment right there. It's like I get you're a backup and you're not a good offensive lineman, but 
How do you not know what your assignment is on that play? Was it not discussed? Was he just lost? I mean, that was pretty frustrating to watch. Couldn't agree more. Uh, And watching him just get abused in pass protection also was not fun to watch. Uh, I mean, realistically, I think that part of his struggles, I think, come from the fact that, you know, he's made the switch from guard to tackle. And he's certainly, you know, I mean, he's fairly versatile and he's got good feet for a pass blocker. He just, you know, is susceptible to bull rush realistically. So, you know, I, I, I look forward to the days of having Eric Fisher back, which I know that, you know, I, I have certainly one of those people who gave Eric Fisher more than his fair share of criticisms because realistically, I mean, I still contend that he's good for, you know, one or two head scratching holds, but it happens. Uh, but I'll take that, you know, any day of the week over, you know, getting absolutely demolished and stepping on Mahomes' ankle. So, yeah, Eric Fisher, get well soon. We want you back. Sorry for everything I've said. Yeah, this is definitely, I mean, you never thought I'd see so many uh, I miss Eric Fisher posts. But, yeah, we're uh, we're seeing those for sure. Um, let me ask you a question. Before we get into our score predictions, do you remember, maybe not the exact score, but do you at least remember how many points you expected Kansas City to score in the last two games? Yeah, it was like, in the 40s, I think, for each. Okay. I had the Chiefs in the 40s both times also. And, you know, a lot of Chiefs Maybe fans are making... Maybe we should quit doing that. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, look, I know people are making excuses about the Chiefs' de- uh, injuries, but Indianapolis was without their top two safeties. The defense that they fielded on Sunday night, none of those guys had an interception all year long. I know I say that a lot, but... Um, the Chiefs don't have any excuses because the Colts went to out there and they... Fair. You can't pick on the secondary when your offensive line is getting abused and you don't have time to throw the ball. You know, okay, that's part of it. But it's not like he was facing, you know, quick pressure every single snap. I think that's part of it. And, by the way, Kelsey was quoted uh, talking about how, you know, it was hard to um, play well because they were in man-to-man coverage. Okay, I'm no coach. I'm no player. I'm I'm just a fool who talks on this microphone and watches games, but there's something called adjustments. Did the Chiefs not make adjustments dealing with Indianapolis's unexpected man-to-man coverage? I have no idea the answer on that front. I mean, generally, man-to-man's relatively, you know, when you're someone like Travis Kelsey or Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill especially, where you're like, you know, it stands to reason that you have more physical gifts than the other player. Uh, man coverage should be looked at as a good thing. I was flabbergasted so, yeah, when I that. Heard was that. very confusing. Still didn't understand where he was coming from with that quote. But I digress. It's, you know, one of many head-scratching moments that came from this weekend. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of those. A lot of those uh, for sure. And hopefully there are less of those. Now look, uh, I'd love to sit here looking at how bad... The defense is uh, for the Texans, uh, 25th in points per game and 25th against a run, 16th in total defense and average defense. I'd love to sit here and say the Chiefs are going to score 40, and you know what? Because I'm not going to, they probably will this time, but I'm trying to be realistic here. I just don't know at this point if you are if you don't have Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Again, I know what I said about Mahomes, and I think he can do well with anyone, but at the same time, yeah, you you are right. I do agree with you to an extent about the offensive line comment, 
it does kind of make me wonder what is the offense's potential with this offensive line and you know you're going to need more than 13 points to beat Houston and they're going to score way more than what uh what Indianapolis scored for sure so this is going to be one of those high scoring games it's not going to be in the 40s by all means but both teams are going to put up a lot of points uh look I have Kansas City rebounding. I know this team does not lose two in a row often. The last team the Chiefs lost in the regular season, it was off back-to-back games. But I don't see Andy Reid allowing that to happen again so soon. So I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this one. And you know what? I'm going to say they win this one 34-31. I'll go 38-31. 38-31. And that is based off what? Mostly, I mean, like, I was just thinking, like, all right, I want a seven-point spread, and I'm not putting it in the 40s, so, I mean, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed when you said 34-31, because I knew that was really close to what I was thinking, but really... Well, you can say the same thing. No, I'm not going to say the same numbers, like, that's (laughs) that's no fun, but, I mean, ultimately, you know, I look at it as, you know, I think that both teams are going to put up quite a few points, but I think that each defense has the ability to stymie the other in, or the other offense in the red zone at least once, so... You know, that's essentially five touchdowns for the Chiefs, four touchdowns for the uh, Texans, and a field goal for each. So it makes a little bit of sense in the back of my head. But, you know, realistically, nothing will shock me in this game. If this winds up being a scoreboard closer to the, uh, you know, the last game that the Texans played against the Falcons, that wouldn't shock me either. I just hope that the Chiefs are on the right end of it. Let's read a couple of text messages before we go around the NFL. Uh, number for that, 913-808-2119. This is from Bart in Southwest Kansas out of the 620. He says, It seems as though at the beginning of every season the penalties are out of control, both by the players and the refs. Penalties and injuries were our own downfall. Uh, Go Chiefs, he writes in capital letters. Um, You know... The injuries are, are just never an excuse to me. I, I mean, unless you, you lose your quarterback, then yeah. I, I mean, I, you're not you're you're just not a good football team anymore. But uh, you know, good teams find ways to overcome those things, uh, penalties and injuries. I mean, yeah, good teams just don't commit that many penalties, and that's something that the Chiefs absolutely have to clean up. The number of holds, uh, both offensively and defensively, was ridiculous. I mean, Rashad Breland seemed like he was doing his best. Uh, impression of Orlando Scandrick uh, from last year. So we need to see that get cleaned up for the next week. Michael in North Carolina out of the 3-3-6. Is the defense better or worse this year? Every time the defense is on the field, I assume the other team will score every time. But the AFC is so weak, I think we will still be in the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. Everyone's ending their uh, text messages with Go Chiefs. Uh, I like that. Uh, I like the optimism. Um... Yeah, you know, look, the Colts didn't score every single time. In fact, their game plan was to not score more than 20, 25, 30 points. Because if you score a lot, and if you score quickly, you're going to give Mahomes back the football and essentially let him back on the field. Uh, is Houston going to follow that same game plan? I'm sure they're going to try to. Uh, but they don't come off as a team that wants to score just 19 points. You know they want to light it up when you have Deshaun Watson. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting comment there. Yeah, I think that the defense is better. I mean, realistically, yeah, while we uh, while we've spoken at length about the fact that we got abused in the run game, uh, I got to hand it to the defense. They actually did a pretty solid job of toughening up in the red zone, uh, and as a result. Yeah, I think that they're definitely better than last year's team, but 
still need to see more progress from him. Those are the only texts we got this episode. Let us know your thoughts. 913-808-2119. You guys have been awesome with the text line all week long. So greatly appreciate you guys who have been doing it all season long and this week as well. So uh, big thanks to all of you guys who have been texting into the podcast. Again, text in after the game. Let us know your thoughts and we will read your comments uh, on this podcast. By the way, before we get to uh, our closer, which we're just going to do the Around the NFL segment... Uh, as far as next week goes, we will do our recap episode on Sunday. Uh, Sunday late evening should be out late Sunday night. Uh, we'll recap the game between the Chiefs and the Texans. And then we'll be back pretty quickly on Tuesday night. You can expect the Chiefs and Broncos pregame podcast. That, of course, is going to be a Thursday night game. It'll be available Tuesday night. We're not going to book any guests. We're not going to do any of our closing segments. We're going to keep that episode pretty short because I want to give everyone an opportunity to listen to the podcast in its entirety uh, before Thursday night football. So it'll be a very short episode. And then Thursday night, we will do our recap episode as well. So we've got a lot of episodes coming your way, and that has a lot to do with the Chiefs playing Two games in five days. That'll be a lot of fun. So definitely looking forward to that. Before we sign off, let's wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, you know, we talked about how Chiefs fans are not feeling good. They're feeling somber. It's like the end of the world. You know, another fan base out there, another team out there, it just felt like the end of the world for them. The Minnesota Vikings. With Stephon Diggs and the reports that came out that he wants out and that he was not participating in practice, he got fined for that. Well, all of a sudden things are turning around for them. They win 28 to 10 against the New York Giants. I get not the most thrilling win ever, but hey, a win is a win in the NFL, man. It really does cure a lot of things with all the bad media that gets out there sometimes. Even even like if you're a two-win football team on a long season. Even when you win, it just feels good, even for just a couple of days, man. It's a weird sport, man. Football's a weird sport, and you're kind of seeing that effect right now with the Vikings. Yeah, though that said, I mean, I did actually watch a fair bit of this game because roommates are Giants fans, uh, and you know, one of the biggest complaints that Diggs had was the fact that they weren't throwing the ball a whole lot. Uh, the offense was very centered on Dalvin Cook, which, don't get me wrong, Cook's a stud. But, you know, he felt like there was not enough balance in the offense. And uh, having watched the game, there was definitely a more balanced offensive approach. So props to the coaching staff for actually making the adjustments to, you know, keep the players happy and also just generally balance out their offense. Got to get props to the NFL as well for not really bending on this Vontae's perfect appeal for his season suspension. Uh, look. The NFL needs to start making statements. We're seeing way too many players go out there, you know, going helmet to helmet and the kind of things. Now, Vontaze Perfect has a reputation of that, so it's a little different here. But I really hope this sends a message to current NFL players and future NFL players, letting them know it's absolutely not okay to do these kinds of things. Hurting players intentionally, tackling in ways that you're not supposed to be tackling. Major props to the NFL, and you know what? Continue the suspensions, but also you got to not only suspend players, but hurt them where it hurts the most, their wallets, their bank accounts. Yeah, I think that the lost game checks that come with this season-long suspension, I think Perfect's going to get the message, um, at least you'd, you'd think. Uh, but glad to see that they uh, stuck to their guns here, and realistically, 
you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a player who is more interested in hurting opponents uh, than Burfecht has clearly shown. I mean, I don't know. At one point, maybe in Dominican Sue, uh, but yeah, really, uh, pretty happy to see Burfecht not playing for the rest of the season. I remember Dominican Sue once complained on Twitter about a twenty thousand dollar fine, and he wrote in capital letters "fail" with a million exclamation points. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, I'm glad the NFL has definitely put their foot down and they're doing something about Vontaze Burfecht and other players that are trying to do this kind of thing. And hopefully this sends a message to everybody out there. And yeah, hopefully Burfecht learned his lesson. Uh, Speaking of learning your lesson, uh, this is kind of funny. Baker Mayfield, uh, what else is new with him? Uh, Richard Sherman, he, I I guess he claimed that Baker Mayfield did not shake hands with them at midfield for the coin toss. And video came out that Baker Mayfield did indeed shake hands with Richard Sherman. I don't know if you saw his quote. Baker Mayfield said, that's the first time video footage has gone my way or something to that effect. That's hilarious given his that history is, there. That's that's awesome. That is pretty funny. Uh, and then the whole Nick Bosa thing where I, I don't think Bosa, he didn't sack him. Baker had to throw the football away. And Bosa had that nice celebration if you remember what Baker Mayfield did. In a game against Oklahoma State with the flag celebration, uh, Bosa certainly, Ohio State, Ohio. yeah, oh Ohio State, pardon me, uh, Bosa certainly returned the favor there. I got the OSU's mixed up. Forgive me. Um, oh, it's all good. I mean, like I said, I get the video went in his favor, but still, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield cannot win publicly. He just never can. No, I mean, I think he's just has kind of one of those you know, you either love him or hate him kind of personalities. Uh, and yeah, I think he invites that to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I couldn't help but you know laugh when I saw Nick Bosa pull that. I mean, especially considering that Bosa being an Ohio State grad, who I'm sure actually played against Mayfield in that game. Uh, you know, after which, of course, Mayfield planted the flag there in the middle yeah. of their stadium. Like, yeah, I think that that's yeah th- that that's just kind of comes with it. You know, if you're gonna pull a stunt like that and plant the flag like you better be ready for the repercussions whenever they come like that's just you know that comes with the turf man that's table stakes yeah and you know here's the thing there are a lot of people we talked about double standards on this podcast there are a lot of people who can dish it but can't take it and listen baker has taken a lot of criticism from the media rex ryan made a comment saying he's overrated as hell and he lashed out saying, oh, well, there's a reason why he's not wearing a headset right now. It's like, dude, listen. I, I'm not going to lie. I respected that. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, no, I did too. But it, it's like, look, I'm starting to see a pattern here. You know, he he loves to talk, but he doesn't like when people have well, something to say about down. him. No, uh, certainly not. But, uh, hey, look, I mean, I thought Baker Mayfield and the Browns were going to do great this year. But I think um, we're going to see uh, more uh, names to that infamous Cleveland Browns jersey. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the, uh, you know, great song that I think it was Coward did that, you know, they, it was like, we didn't start the fire and they turned it into the Browns or Browns are a dumpster fire. Where oh, I forgot about the quarterbacks. that. It was hysterical. Totally worth YouTubing if you haven't seen it. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think that the, the book is, you know, totally written on Mayfield yet. I think that uh, you know, there's still potential here, but I think that realistically, you're seeing what happens with a first-time head coach being a little in over his head, and yeah. also with a you know quarterback who got a little bit cocky. They still have the pieces to you know do some good things there in Cleveland. They just need to get out of their own way. 
we'll see how things pan out there for the good old Cleveland Browns. All right, Zach, uh, this episode's over with, and we've got a million episodes to do next week, so that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, man. All right, there you have it. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. A big thanks to Rob Bro from the Rob Bro Show in Lubbock, Texas, for joining us here on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the episode. Not just that, for texting us, interacting with us on social media. Big thanks to all of you for doing that. If you haven't been doing that, it is never too late to get in on the conversation. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vesugian. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. I'll be doing a Facebook Live video at halftime and after the Texans game, so join me for that. You guys have been awesome with that, so I'm sure it'll be another good show this weekend. Also, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Zach is at ZStegenga. And the number to text in, 913-808-2119. That is the text line for the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. We're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. Share the links as well. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We will talk to you on Sunday in what will be... The start of a very, very crazy week. The f- It'll be two games in five days for the Chiefs. going to be a lot of fun, and we will talk about that starting this weekend. I'm Farzi Vasugi, and he is Zach Stegna. Take care. Talk to you this weekend.